wonderful morning, and uh, and I hope that you guys uh, study hard and uh, and listen well. It's going to be a great morning together. Uh, downstairs for our children, but also upstairs for us in big church. How many of you are glad to be in church this morning? Anybody? I am. Yes. Even it's been a beautiful week. It's been a beautiful week. Uh, we continue to pray for our farmers who are uh, who are in the fields, and uh, and we just pray that God would continue to uh, bless them and continue to give us great weather for their harvest. But we're excited this morning, and I'm uh, I'm excited and and glad that you're with us at Living Way this morning as we conclude our series called Stand. We're finishing part five of this series about stories of courage. And over the last four weeks, we've really been looking at one particular individual. And it's amazing how this one individual had so many incredible stories of courage. I mean, if I look at my life, I don't think I have any stories like this guy has. I mean, we're looking at Daniel and Daniel is this incredible man who, boy to man, who has this incredible journey with God and has this incredible, these incredible experiences. You know, week one, we talked about the, uh, the standing out for God when we launched this series, how Daniel and then three other boys that we know more of as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How these four boys were taken captive by the king, by King Nebuchadnezzar, because he wanted to overtake the city and, and wanted to take captive people and wanted to get these really intelligent boys into his service so that he could indoctrinate them, so he could convert them to become Babylonians. And we understood that Daniel and his friends made a decision to stand for God no matter what. That's chapter 1. Now imagine how incredible this story gets in for only one chapter into this book. Daniel knew who he was and whose he was, we talked about. We moved into week two and we flipped all the way to Daniel chapter four when we, when we get this moment where Daniel is on, uh, is, is speaking with the king and he's standing up for the truth. That there are moments in our life where we have to make a decision to stand up for the truth. The truth being capital T, being word of God. And Daniel was given this um, vision, or sorry, the king was given this vision and Daniel was told to, in, asked to interpret it. And as he heard what the king was saying about the dream, he's like, I don't want to interpret this because it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing that's going to happen to you, king. And it's because of your lifestyle and what you're doing. Yet we learned that we had to have a conversation and we have to have these prayerful conversations and we need to ask God to help us to confront with the goal of restoration. And God help me to confront with caution when we have to stand up for the truth. Week three, Pastor Andrew tackled uh, chapter 10 when Daniel had this incredible moment with the angel of the Lord. Where he began to take us through this context of the dance. That dance we have Who's leading you or God? And this balance and this dance, we see this in Daniel's life. And last week we uh, talked about standing strong, standing strong for God. Daniel chapter 6, you know, the, one of the most famous stories of Daniel's life. You know, him with the furry, cute little lions. You know, the ones that wanted to devour him and kill him because he made a decision that he was going to stand strong. Even though he was told he wasn't allowed to pray, he was going to pray anyways. 
And he stood, and there's all these incredible stories of courage. And then we roll into this morning when we talk about stand in the fire. If you have your inserts, you can open them up. Bullet program, open it up to fill in the blanks. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel chapter 3. And in fact, we're going to move away from Daniel, the individual, for just a moment. And we're going to look at those three young boys that were with him. In chapter 1, the three young boys that we hear about getting taken in and and then they decide not to eat the food that the king wants to feed them in in this incredible journey and story that they're on. And then we pick them back up in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this morning. And uh, how these boys learn to stand in the fire. And how that standing in the fire, we're going to talk about, applies to us. Today, in our culture today. So this story is going to lead us to uh, an important reality. One that we don't want to acknowledge, maybe one that we don't want to admit. And I know that I don't always want to admit this, but there are going to be moments in your life. And there are going to be moments in my life where I am going to have to stand in the fire. Now, I may not literally stand in a fire, and I hope that I don't ever stand in a fire. My father was a firefighter, and if I had to tell him I was standing in the fire, he would probably be very upset with me. Because he'd say, my job is not to start them, it's to put them out. What are you doing playing with fire? Which is what I often heard when I was younger. But this story shows us that in our lives we will face situations, we will face moments, we will face times where we have to choose to stand in the fire. Now the fire may be a uh, a situation that you're walking through. It may be a diagnosis from a doctor. It may be a, a death of a family member. It may be an accident. It may be something that happens to you or to someone you know. There are all of these moments where we will choose to stand in the fire. When the pressure's turned up, when the stuff happens, when the struggle comes, will we stand firm in who we say we are and in our faith in God or will we back down will we give in or will we pretend most of the fires or most of the moments that we walk through will not be anywhere near what we read about with these three young boys but they will happen to us in our life and we have to be prepared To figure out how we're going to stand firm in our faith and our belief in God. I love that Pastor Andrew's pushing our teenagers to this discipleship level. And I would challenge us as a church that we need to push ourselves to this level of discipleship. Where we don't just know about God, but we actually know God. That we don't just know about Him in the good times, but that we know Him and stand firm for Him in the difficult times. And we see this with these three young boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names were changed by the king because he wanted to convert them, as I said, in Daniel chapter 1. So let's, let's, let's turn to Daniel chapter 3 because this, this is a great story. Many of you have, uh, may have read it. Many of you may have heard it as a, as a boy or a girl growing up. Many of you may have watched it in Veggie Tales, and we learn a lot. But we remember these three boys were captured by King Nebuchadnezzar for the purpose of conversion so that they could become Babylonians. He never, uh, they never gave in, yet still somehow God had worked His favor through them for, with the king so that they moved up into this position of power and they find themselves in this situation in Daniel.
Every week, technologies fail. When we listen to Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. An image of gold. Now, just hear the height of this. 90 feet high. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. This is a monster of an image or a statue that he's made. 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He he then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, uh, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial Officials. He's gathering everybody together. He gathered them all together to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. Verse 3. So the satraps, prefects, governors, ad, uh, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrate, and all other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, harp, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Do you notice the list of instruments? Just to pause for a second. Whenever you hear, whenever you hear the sound of, you must fall down and worship. Man, there's a lot of instruments. Whenever you hear it, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down will be thrown into a blazing furnace. This is sort of sounding like the last chapter we read, isn't it? But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, verse 13 says, Nebuchadnezzar summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? Or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the harp, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, 
lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? Catch here that the king is giving them a second chance to fall down. Because he's heard, he's heard it, but he hasn't seen it. And he wants to see it. Because remember, these boys had been given a great deal of power, but were seen as being uh, more educated more uh, well-suited for the job than anyone else. So he's giving them an opportunity here to fall down and worship. And it says in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the burning, the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And He will rescue us from your hand, O King. But, even if He does not, we want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up the boys and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Here's this incredible story. Of three young men being thrown into the fire, yet in the midst of it made a decision to stand for God, no matter what it cost them, no matter what they were going to have to face. You see, King Nebuchadnezzar has built this incredibly big, monstrous statue. Imagine just for a second, if there was a statue that was 90 feet tall in ONR Park, just I mean, just picture it for a second. 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. Like, this is a monster. That would put the cow in New Liskard to shame. This is huge. This is giant. And he issues this 
decree and issues this law. And there's there's speculation that this all comes out of Daniel chapter three and the vision that that uh, the dream that that the king had had. And and he stands up and he builds this incredible statue. And then he says, everyone in the entire kingdom, whether they are Jew or whether they are Babylonian, they're going to bow down and they're going to worship this. And here's what's going to happen: if no one, if one person chooses not to, then we're going to put them in the fire. And we're going to throw them in. And we're going to be done with them. Everything's history with them. And we can move on. And these three boys. When everyone else is bowing low. Are standing tall. In the middle of the fire. They made a decision to stand. For God. You see I said at the start. We're all going to face these moments. And these situations where we're going to be standing in the fire and we are going to make a decision whether we're going to bow like the rest or we're going to stand the way that these three boys did. You see, here's here's where I want to take shape and get us started. And this is kind of like the overall thought for us to get us started is this, that a faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. Peter writes these words in the New Testament in 1 Peter. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. You see, we will face trials. We will face testing. And a faith that's tested is a faith that's trusted by God. And these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You see, a faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. So if you go through this life and never face a test of your faith, Do you really have a solid faith? A faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. These trials or tests will show that your faith is genuine. That it's real. That it's not just surface. That it actually has substance. And when we face these tests... These tests then produce confidence, perseverance, and courage. We will all face tests. We will all walk through the fire in this life. Depending on circumstances, some may seem way bigger than others. But how will we stand in those tests? Because they'll produce confidence, perseverance, and courage. And it will show that your faith is genuine, as Paul tells us, or Peter, sorry, tells us. And James writes these words in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Catch where this pure joy piece is going. Consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. How many of you are very joyful when you face a trial or a test? That's what I thought. Not too many, but James is saying, hey, consider pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials 
of many kinds. But he doesn't leave it there. He tells us this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, a faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. It reveals our, if our faith is genuine, it produces confidence. It produces perseverance. It produces courage. In fact, Peter writes in Second Peter these words, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, Love. He's saying you need to add these things to your life. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in the moments of trial, when the fire comes, it begins to expose genuine, real faith. It begins to produce Courage and perseverance and confidence. Confidence in who? Confidence in God that He is with you no matter what you're going through. You see, these fires that come, we then make a decision if we're going to stand in the fire or if we're going to back down and bow like the rest of the nations, like the rest of the peoples did when King Nebuchadnezzar made this loud racket. Will you stand or will you bow? Because when we stand firm in the fire, we are standing in faith. When we stand firm in the fire, in the midst of the test or the trial, it shows if our faith is genuine, it begins to produce confidence, perseverance, and courage in who God is, not based on my experience, but based on the truth and the Word. And I begin to stand in faith. So this morning, I want to challenge us as a church to stand in faith in the midst of the fire, whether it's big or small, whether it's blazing or just a a small spark, that we would be willing to stand in faith. So through the story of these three boys, I would like to share with you three qualities of standing in faith. Three qualities of standing in faith. So let's dig in. The first one is this this morning. Faith obeys God instead of... Of following man. Faith, standing in faith, the quality of standing in faith is that faith obeys God instead of following man. Everyone in this story is bowing, following the king, a man, yet we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three boys standing because they have a faith in God. Faith obeys God instead of following man. There are moments in our life where we are put to this test. 
But in this story, faith obeys God instead of following man. We see this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. Who's him? Him is the king. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to tell you why or how come. We are just following, obeying God instead of following man because our faith in him tells us that we're not to worship false idols and we're going to obey God. Now, I love that these boys felt no need to defend themselves or that they didn't have to explain everything. All they needed to do was stand in their faith. They didn't mock the king. They didn't make fun of his decision. They just said, we don't have to defend ourselves. We obey God. We obey a command that he gave to our forefathers, to Moses. He says, do not worship any other idols. You see, these boys could have done something instead of standing, though. They could have offered excuses. Right, they, 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 they could have just offered up these excuses. They could have began to, to, to make up and, and, and just go, Oh, you know, the king has given me a second chance. You know, we could just do this. We could just and listen to these excuses. Maybe you've heard them before. We could just fake it. We could just pretend. You know what? We could just fall down but not actually worship the idol. When we fall down, we can pretend like we're worshiping the idol, but we're really worshiping God. Right? They could have faked it. They could have faked it. Maybe it would have been a whole lot easier for them. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe it's happened to you and you're in a situation you've been in where you know, you, you've, you've been facing this small fire, you could say, this challenge to your faith. And instead of standing up, you just... Fake it and you pretend and you fall down. We could fake it. They, they could have made up the excuse. They could have just faked it. They could have said this. Oh, you know, just this once. This is my favorite excuse. Just this once. You know, we won't really become idol worshipers if we do it just once. And then we could ask God to forgive us. So we try and throw out this... This, in, you know, we're, we'll do it intentionally, but then we'll seek God's forgiveness. And, and we, we throw out this card and think it's acceptable and think that it's okay. And you know what? It just meets where I'm at right now. So if I do it right here, right now, it's okay. We could just do it this once. We could fake it. We could just do it once. They could have made up these excuses. The last one, they could justify it. And this is something that our culture has a lot of problems with. Our church world. Our life as a Christian can have this challenge. We just justify it. It gets difficult. It gets tough. The fire gets warm and we just justify it. These boys could have said, well, the king is in power and we must obey him. I mean, God will understand. They could justify it. They could have said, oh, the king appointed us, so we owe it to him. You know, the king took us in, and, and, and we weren't supposed to be elevated, and we got elevated to this, but we owe it to him just this once. We are in a foreign land. You know, we're, we're not in our homeland. We're in a foreign land, so God will excuse us for following the customs of this land. 
It's justification that they could have gone to. That we see in our lives, people, when the fire gets turned up, beginning to justify our, you know, they, or they could have justified it this way. Our ancestors set up idols in the temple. This isn't that bad. Right? Justification. We're not hurting anyone. You know, if we get ourselves killed, if we get ourselves killed, who's going to help the people in exile? I mean, we could justify it all we want to. But the quality of standing in faith is that faith obeys God instead of following man. We could choose to, they could have chose any of these excuses, fake it just as once, justify it. But instead, they had a plan. Instead, they chose obedience. They chose to obey God than to make up an excuse so that they could protect themselves. They chose to obey God and say, you know what? God is bigger. I'm going to trust Him instead of trusting me. The psalmist writes these words, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Blessed, blessed are all who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to Him. Their plan was obedience. You see, the first quality, not that these are the only qualities. Again, these are three that I would suggest to you. The first quality is that faith obeys instead, obeys God instead of following man. Here's the second quality. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. These boys saw what was there for them. But they chose faith to believe in spite of what they see. Listen, it says, if we are thrown, the boys say this to the king, we don't have to defend ourselves, but if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able To deliver us from it. Sorry, from from it, yes. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I mean, they've been told what the outcome is. If you don't bow down, you are tossed into the furnace, into the fire. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. Faith believes believes in spite of what it sees. The God we serve is able to deliver us. The God we serve is able to deliver us. This is what these boys are saying. They're basically saying this. No matter what I see, no matter what I see, no matter if I see death, no matter if I see sickness or hurt or pain, my faith says God is willing and able. This is what the boys are saying. You know what, King? It doesn't matter. You're you're painting this big picture. You You could turn it up as hot as you want to. My God is able. My God is willing and able. My God is willing and able. If I see a bad medical report, my God is willing and able to heal. If I see broken relationships, my God is willing and able to restore. If I see a dangerously low bank account, my God is able, willing and able to provide. 
No matter what I see, no matter what these eyes see in this life, I know that my faith says God is willing and is able. And I will believe in spite of what I see. My faith believes in what I see. But, but what if, what if? Here's, this is a, a popular question that I'm asked, that, I'm, that, that students have asked me, that I've had uh, young adults, that I've had parents ask me. But what if? What if God doesn't do what I'm believing Him to do? What if God doesn't do it? Here's what I'd like to say to you. Because I believe, faith believes in spite of what I see. But what if God doesn't do what I'm believing for Him to do? Here's what I would say. Faithful obedience is our responsibility. And the outcome is God's. Obedience is my responsibility. My faith. My faith believes that God is willing and that God is able. And my responsibility is obedience. God, uh, the outcome is God's. What He chooses to do, how He chooses to move, whether He chooses to heal a leg or whether He chooses to diminish a cancer uh, tumor, that's His choice. My responsibility is faithful obedience. My responsibility is, in spite of what I see, believe that God is willing and able and allowing Him to do what He is going to do. Listen to what the boys say. But even if He does not, remember He says, they had just said, you know, my God is going to rescue us. My God is going to take us away from being caught in your hand. My God is willing and my God is able. And they say this very next, in the very next verse, but even if he does not, even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty. We want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Even if God doesn't keep us from dying in the fire, we're going to serve Him anyways. And we're not going to bow down and serve your God. Because we have faith that believes God is willing and able. And even though I don't get what maybe I want, I am going to be faithful and obedient to that and I'm going to leave the outcome to God. But pastor, but what? We have to be faithful and obedient and leave the outcome to God. I was challenged by these words at camp this summer. Youth camp. Our director was sharing his conversation with a pastor who had just lost their daughter to cancer. And the challenging words came from his mouth that were, it's okay because my God is a healing God. My God is. And, 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 and in my heart, and instantly says, how can you say that? Or the responses he gets are, how can you say that when the outcome isn't that? 
He said these powerful words. He says, my faith is not determined by my experience, but my faith is determined by who God is. And God is a healing God. That I will choose faithful obedience because that's my responsibility. And I'll leave the outcome to God. Faithful obedience is not is our responsibility, sorry. It is our responsibility. And the outcome is God's. Quality number one. Faith obeys, instead of fo- obeys God instead of following man. Quality two. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. And the third quality is this. Faith stands in the fire, but never alone. This is an amazing piece of the God that we serve. We are not alone. Faith stands in the fire, but it never stands alone. You may not have any other brothers or sisters, physical people standing beside you, but you have God. Standing with you. Look at what happened. The, then the king, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet. These boys have been thrown into the furnace. They've been thrown into this seven times hotter furnace where it's like cooking. It's not just a little small tiny furnace. This is like this is hot. This is melting, consuming, destroying. I mean, it killed the people when they opened the doors, so to speak. And Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors. He leaped up and his eyes bulged out of his head. If it was a cartoon, it'd be like, you know, like the, the, the eyes go shooting four rows back. It's like, ah! and it's this incredible moment as he's in this amazement. He says, he asks the advisors, he says, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? He's probably like shaking and sweating and, and, and has no idea what's going on. He says, weren't there three of them? I mean, did we, 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 we tied three up, right? Like, like, and he's yammering a mile a minute. And they replied, certainly, your majesty. Yes, there were only three. Look, I see four men walking around the fire. Now, note here, they're walking. Remember, they were bound by the strongest men. They tied them up, put them in the fire, and now they're looking going, there are four of them, and they're walking around. They're not dying. They're not burning. They're walking around and there's four of them. Unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Another translation says, son of God. Son of the gods. The king is basically saying, it doesn't look real or human. It's incredible. It's, you could say, divine. You see, when you walk in faith, when you stand in the fire, you don't stand alone. That has got to be reassuring for someone in this room who's walking through it right now. You don't stand alone. In fact, you don't stand bound and you don't stand unable to move. You stand unbound and with someone walking around in the fire right now. And as the story ends, it says when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. 
stand in the fire. Faith stands in the fire, but never alone. God reveals His power in many places. And we've experienced His power in this room, in, in, this, in our services, in our youth services, in our children's church, in many places, in our road trips. But you'll know His presence in the fire. These three boys knew. They knew who was with them. They knew who was standing there. Although they didn't see it beforehand, they knew in the middle of it. A faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. Faith obeys God instead of following man. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. And faith stands in the fire, but never, never alone. Listen to how the story ends. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, uh, prefects, Governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. When my dad came home from a fire, I knew it. He stunk. Like smoke. These boys are in the fire. And they don't smell at all. Jer, if you and the worship team want to come. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 28, said, Praise be to God. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who has sent his angel and rescued his servants They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses, be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. No other God can save in this way. Because three men decided that they would stand in the fire. They decided that their faith was to obey God over serving and following God. Man, they found that their faith believed in spite of what it saw. And that their faith stood in the fire, but it wasn't alone. That there was one with them that protected them and saved them. But even if our God doesn't, I will not bow down and worship your God or that idol I will serve my God, 
no matter what I see because my God is willing and able to do anything. So church this morning, would you stand in the fire? Church this morning, is your faith when tested genuine? When your faith is tested, will you stand or will you bow? Will you bow like the nations or will you stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? My prayer this morning is that all of us, when we face that fire, would stand. And stand firm. Stand up. Stand out. Stand strong. Stand in faith. And stand in the fire. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for the stories that we read in Daniel. For the stories of courage that challenge us. For the stories of courage that Stir our hearts. So Father, this morning I pray that you would help us to stand in the fire. Lord, that you would help us to stand when everyone else is bowing. God, that you would help us to stand and that as we stand, we know that we're not standing alone. That we stand and we faithfully in obedience to you and we leave the outcome in your hands. But we choose to stand and we choose to obey. So Father, on this long weekend, as we prepare our hearts to prepare ourselves to go back to the fall and the, 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 the regular routine of life after summer. Lord, help us to stand in our workplaces. Help us to stand in our schools and in our neighborhoods and in our activities. So, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. for how you're leading and how you're directing us. So, Father, we give you all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me across this room? Would you just lift your heart and your voice?